welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. And I'm Zena. Welcome to the Camden Fringe pod. We are back after an extended break for not mm-hmm. doing Camden Fringe things. We're now very much back on the case of doing Camden Fringe things, including this podcast. We're partway into the application process. For 2024. Which is always an exciting time because you never know quite how it's all going to pan out. What are you going to get? So give us some stats. Almost 500 applications now, which is, I think, great for end of Feb. Brilliant. Really good. We have 19 shows on sale, so we just need to sort out the other um, 480. 480 shows. Okay. So we've got a little bit of work to do there, <laughs> um, but everyone's getting there. So, yeah, we've already got some interesting things lined up. Some venues are looking quite well sorted and programmed some venues haven't started yet so it's certainly worth still getting your applications in if you haven't heard from a venue yet it doesn't mean that they don't want you it just means that they might be a they might be a bit crap at their emails doesn't mean it's a bad venue or b they might just be waiting until they've got a really big chunk of applications in so they can then have a look at it as a whole and decide what they want to put in so don't panic. This week, our interviewee is Leslie Ewing Burgess, who is programming for Aces and Eights this year. Um, it's the first year she's done it, and we spoke to her very, very early on in the um, process of her taking on that role. But it's quite an interesting insight, I think, because she has performed at the Camden Fringe. She's a stand-up. She's performed at the Camden Fringe a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So she's got a few insights in her interview. What else has been happening? So... We've had some sad news in the last week that the Hope Theatre is going to be closing. Yep. Which is a real shame. The Hope Theatre, well, they were initially going to be involved for the first time in 2020, but we all know what happened then. Um, But they have been a really important part of the Camden Fringe for the last three years. Unfortunately, the pub have not allowed the theatre company that have been running it for the last 10 years almost to um, carry on with that I think they've got other plans I think the pub probably think they might be able to do it themselves but it's a very it's a very different thing isn't it very different thing and I think it's probably massively underestimated how much work is involved in but the space is still there and maybe at some point in the future hopefully the hope theatre may return we'll have to just watch out but we have some new venues which will hopefully fill that gap the King's Head Theatre, also on Upper Street, they have recently got a whole new venue built, purpose-built, all accessible, wonderful. So they've moved out of their pub space and into that, um, and they mm-hmm. are booking Camden Fringe shows. They've got two spaces. Um, the big one is big, but they have a lovely studio space, which I think is probably more suitable for Camden Fringe acts. Yeah, the small space, it's not um, it's not hugely well-equipped. It's good for um, cabaret or one-person things. Yeah, big space. It's, it's about 200 seats. Unless you've got a really big cast and you know that you're going to be able to fill that, then it is more risky, isn't it? Definitely. 
Um, and then the other new venue down that way is the Old Red Lion, which is mm-hmm. nice because we've been trying to get them in the fold for quite some years. Um, but they're, they are this year taking applications. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a classic pub theatre. Um, our third new venue for this year is Sam's Cafe in Primrose Hill, which is a cafe. It looks super cute. Not visited there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, a nice little intimate space that will be great for spoken word maybe a little stand-up show yeah maybe a bit of music and the woman who runs it is really experienced with fringe shows she's produced and been in shows in edinburgh for years so she will be good to deal with and she really you know knows what will work and what won't work and really gets it so that's great other things that have been happening is that we went to the offies at the weekend Mm -hmm. um the off west end award ceremony it was a lovely evening we were invited to present the award for the camden fringe off fest the finalists were let's do it how we did it on the night la cenerentola scavengers and the emperor's new clothes and the winner was scavengers so we presented brian oliver with his award we caught up with quite a few people that done camden fringe in the past some old mm-hmm. venue managers. It was great. And um, lots of deserving people won awards as well. There was there were a lot of awards. There was a lot of wine. We hung out with the Greater Manchester Fringe ladies and they liked a party. Yeah, it was very funny. There was another award ceremony that happened, but happened in October. The London Pub Theatre Awards. Oh, yes, the London Pub Theatre Awards. We've talked awards. about that, have we? We won't have done it. It was a lovely gesture surprise to be awarded with it was commendation for outstanding achievement yeah that was for the pair of us for running the camden fringe that was very nice of london pub theatres there were a few camden fringe shows that also were nominated for awards and um body 1151 it was back in october and i can't for the life of me remember what the actual award name was that's all he was news. so listen to our interview with it's leslie ewing burgess who is programming aces and eights this year she mentions a couple of times she runs a night with andrew o'neill that's uh, i think a monthly comedy night called troy club Leslie, welcome to Camden Fringe Pod. Um, so you are a veteran Camden Fringer because you've done a couple of, of Camden Fringe shows. I have, yeah. And you've done four solo shows, is that right? Yeah, I did. I sort of had to, I had to count my posters there because I sort of, I'm not sure if it if it's uh, narcissistic to have your, I, I feel like if you do do shows, it's okay to have your own posters on your wall, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, you put a lot of time and effort into them and if you're proud of them put them on the wall i also do some graphic design so i always make my own posters and so i think there's the, the combined thing of being like i did a show and also look what i made yes yeah, you're allowed to be proud of what you've done yes uh, this is what i'm tr- i'm starting to learn within my life <laughs> sort of, my first show i did sort of over the course of two years like i sort of i did a short edinburgh fringe run of it one year and then i did a slightly longer run the next year and so i i called it two different names but yeah technically i've done four shows but i've done it under five different show names i guess so you're going to bring quite an interesting perspective to programming aces and eights this year yeah, I'm I'm excited. I've 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 sort of only just gotten started. I'm just sort of very brand new at it. But so far it's been fun and actually 
uh, fittingly to our conversation, the very first task I've taken on is starting to program Camden Fringe into Aces. Amazing. And you know the venue really well, don't you? Yes, I do. It's, it's sort of, I, I live less than a minute away from it. Um, I co-ran a comedy show there for some years, which we've recently moved to the Black Heart in Camden. But yeah, so it's a sort of a venue I'm very familiar with and just a bar I'm very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what sort of shows work well at Aces and Eights? I feel like it's such a nice room from my experience of just being of both, you know, running shows there and watching shows there. I think it doesn't take many people in that room to have a real atmosphere, but it just needs to be done properly. It just needs you to, you know, people, there's so many things within comedy of just sort of in terms of audience things, just spacing of audience sometimes can can change the atmosphere and all these things. And so I, I think everything needs to be very intentional. I think very curated gigs work very well at ACEs. Like, you know, people's solo show work in progress has worked quite well there. Um, a lineup show uh, that's very intentional, I think, works well there but then from my experience of sort of watching and being a comedian and everything I think that more open mic type gigs don't work as well in that space for some reason Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah such a nice space I think that that is reflected by like some of the names that have done shows there over the years and still do I think it is very beloved within the comedy community as a space it doesn't take much to make it work quite well uh, as someone who's done show you know my own sort of solo shows work in progresses you know things in there to quite small numbers I think just you know if you just kind of get everyone sort of huddled in even if it's mm-hmm. low numbers it sort of can work quite well are you someone that would you know if you go in and sit at the back and there's five people there you would say come on move down to the front everybody let's make this move but yeah I, de- I definitely would be I don't know if I'd be the one t- typically to initiate that movement but I definitely am always a willing participant <laughs> <laughs> does it have a regular audience of people that will look for what happens to be on that night you know because some venues are in in an area where lots of people live and some venues are not so much so some you know some have a venue that's their local like the canal cafe is a local for a lot of people whereas places like the etc not as much yeah I feel like I have not frequently enough been like you know at multiple shows within the same period of time in there to notice if there's much recurrence but I'm not I don't think there is necessarily that much as someone who does live in Tufnell Park and I my my day job is in Tufnell Park and so much of my life is within this sort of small area I I'm not sure that a lot of the locals realize how much amazing comedy and how much amazing performance happens you know at at Ace and Eights and and in the in the local area and so I feel like, if anything, that's quite a nice thing for me to be able to try to bring to people. As I, I work in a coffee shop as my day job. And so, you know, obviously I know a lot of local people and they'll they'll ask me about my own comedy. They'll ask me about the gig that I co-run. You know, they'll ask me about my solo shows. And so I will try to tell them, but I feel like that'll be quite a nice thing about programming Aces. They'll always be able to kind of go, oh, you know, this amazing comedian's doing a show. This This amazing lineup show's happening. And I feel like I'll be kind of able to gently encourage some of the people I know who seem curious about comedy to just go jump in go watch things you know yeah because it's always so nice to go and see things when you don't have to travel a long distance if you live in Tufnell Park and you can just wander on down there and watch something and then walk home yeah how brilliant I feel like it is a comedy destination for a lot of people but maybe locals in general are a little bit less aware of that so I feel like kind of making it the very local comedy destination is quite a nice maybe lofty going in but so quite a nice goal to have yeah very difficult though but I'll do my best (laughs) (laughs) 
So are there any particular shows that you've had apply so far that have caught your eye or is there anything in particular you're looking out for for people who are thinking of applying in the future? My own personal sort of taste within comedy I really like alternative comedy and that is you know as as a comedian myself like that is what I do and so I feel like of course I'm trying not to be too biased in my own programming of it like I don't you know anyone that is good or that's doing something interesting I want to kind of give them a space to do that but of course when I do see sort of familiar names who I know are kind of more within my sense of humor I it's hard not to be tempted by that (laughs) you know you know I sort of have my spreadsheet on the go at the moment of uh, people I've sort of started to offer chem fringe slots to and stuff and it's coming along quite nicely so I think by the time it's finished it's going to be I think that, yeah, this sort of, you know, late July to late August is going to be really, really, really good for races. Amazing. And are you looking to program stuff that isn't comedy as well? Because I know in the last few years we've had some sort of spoken word and we've had blessed performances there. I feel like because of my own, because of my own world that I occupy, which is comedy, that is what I'm most drawn toward. But I am going to, I feel like comedy and comedy adjacent is kind of what I'm looking at as a sort of thematic thing for the venue like I'm not sure how well it would lend itself to sort of more play structured things but I think you know yeah a bit a bit of comedy a bit of like sort of musical comedy-ish stuff some cabaret you know maybe some burlesque like that sort of yeah as things come in I think on a case-by-case basis I'll sort of consider whether they feel like a good fit for the venue Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be quite fun to make a fairly well-rounded, largely comedy-centered, but, you know, a varied sort of um, schedule for the Camden Fringe. I have, I, have a, a, I have a good friend who's called Lori Black, who is, who is a music sort of, you know, she has, she has, she certainly has comedy elements, but she's this amazing musician and she's just started, I think, a monthly or bi-monthly kind of cabaret night at aces and eights but it's enough on the music side that you know i'm the i'm the comedy programmer now at aces and eights and it's the music programmer who actually books her in but i think that that's something that'll that you know i I performed at the last one of her gigs that she had there and I, i think it's something that works so well in that space to have something that is you know a bit of music a bit of comedy you know a bit of poetry you know it's just a whole a lovely mixture of things and so i think that's also quite inspirational for what I can be looking at uh, for booking things in in the future. Because you're working as a comedian and also you're working as a programmer. Is the programming something you've kind of fallen into by trying to sort of create your own work? Is that something you found that you've had to do and find a way to be good at that? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it is an interesting thing because I think that it's not anything I would have, when I got started out in comedy, which was, you know, I think nine and a bit years ago now is when I first started doing stand-up but when I or started to do my own thing I don't think I would have fallen into sort of more administrative things and it's sort of I suppose skills that I had that I'd never really used before I was involved in comedy and it was really only by um, starting to co-run a gig some years ago that I realized how many of the various skills that I've built up over the years actually work really well toward the more admin sort of side of it and so it's and interesting things, I really enjoy it, but then I'm learning that I need to find the balance within it to kind of also make sure that I put enough energy and enough time into my own comedy output. And I don't let all the administrative things take over, you know? I love comedy so much that I want to be involved in it in any possible way that I can, but also I do love performing and I do 
want to continue to grow and be better as a performer. We're speaking so at the beginning of my um, programming things in for Aces and Apes, but just in this past week when I started to properly sit down and go, okay, how am I going to do this? And kind of take on this task that felt terrifying to me of looking at Camden Fringe applications and starting to get in touch with people and kind of figure out how I would make that a schedule of shows. I was intimidated by the idea. And then as soon as I sat down and started to do it, I just sort of went, oh, actually, I think this might be something that that I'm very capable of doing. And it was quite nice to suddenly have that feeling. Of course, we're in early enough days. I don't want to I don't want to go, actually, I think I'm really good at it. And then like messing up massively down the line, you know, but I feel so far I'm pleasantly surprised at how much it seems to be something that comes somewhat naturally to me. I think if you've been a comedy audience and if you've, you know, been part of lots of shows and you know the venue really well, so you know what's going to work and what isn't. So I think yes. as long as you like a spreadsheet, then you're all yeah, right. And I really do. <laughs> so um, will you be programming yourself into the venue? That's been an interesting thing in the process of, 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 of sort of having conversations with the venue initially about being taken on in this role. I... Yes, but I think I will be very selective about when I do it. I don't want my taking on this role to feel like a vanity project for myself, you know? I've taken on this role because it was an honor to be asked for one thing, because as I mentioned, I've got a very long-standing sort of relationship with and love, love for Aces and Apes, and so to be approached to do a job like this meant so much to me. Like, like I'm, but I'm conscious of the fact that, you know, when I sort of, you know, for instance, to think to myself, oh, I need to do a work in progress of my next show, or, you know, I'd like to do my last show for a final time to put it to bed once and for all. There's a part of my brain that goes, well, yes, I could quite easily do that now, but I don't want to just constantly be popping up being like, oh, it's Leslie doing something again, you know? I want there to be a reasonable balance, you know? I, I know that um, opportunity is available to me, but I don't want to... I don't want to take the piss, basically. <laughs> no, but it's absolutely reasonable to book yourself in. I'm actually now trying to figure out how to do this because obviously I'd like to participate in Camden Fringe again. But as the programmer myself, it feels quite weird to put an application through and be like, hi, I'd like to be at your venue. And then you on the other <laughs> side and go, yes, you're accepted. You know, it's, it's an odd sort of feeling. And so maybe like once I get in as many applications as possible and I've programmed as best I can, I'll kind of see whether there's space for me and then work from there. So are you planning a new show for this year? I am. It is in two early stages. It is less written than I would hope it would be at this point, because actually this coming Sunday, I'll be at um, Leicester Comedy Festival doing my first work in progress of this show. And I think that it's an interesting thing to do a first work in progress because it is, I think, quite easy to go in thinking you don't have a single thing and then realize that you've actually written quite a lot. You just haven't really realized there's a theme to it. Or certainly that's what happened to me last year when I did when I did my first work in progress of, of that show. I'm hoping for the best. I'm, I'm intending on doing Edinburgh Fringe, certainly, which will be an interesting balance, of course, with also having programmed in Camden Fringe Races and Apes. But I'm already talking to people in, about getting them to kind of look after it in my absence. So I've got I've got a couple of friends already interested in like, you know, running the door, doing various bits uh, to kind of help it along. I feel like everything's kind of a bit nebulous at this point in terms of my own next show, just because I've got so many other yeah. things I'm thinking about. But in theory, I'm excited. Do you have a favourite venue that you go to in Edinburgh? I've ended up 
being my own shows have been on at different venues every year that I've done it so far. But last year, my venue was uh, the Cannon's Gate, which I really did enjoy. It was it's a lovely venue, so well located. It's a venue with a really long standing history of very, very good comedy shows during Edinburgh Fringe. And so it was an honor to be there. Cannon Gate, is that the top or the bottom of the Royal Mile? It's sort of midway down. It is when it starts to become like the, the name does change to, to uh, Cannon Gate at that point. But yeah, so I'd say it's like. Probably the halfway point between like Southbridge and sort of Pleasance. So really in the throng of it then. It's lovely there. I had a really nice time there last year. I put in an application for PBH Free Fringe um, on the first day the application's opened and I'm waiting to hear from them. But that tends to be the nature of it. And so I'm just sort of hoping for the best. You always done the Free Fringe in Edinburgh. Yeah, I've done Laughing Horse Free Fringe uh, a couple of times and I've, I've mostly done PBH. I love it. I love it as a as a model. I love it as, you know, someone who never has a uh, ton of spare money sitting around it's quite nice to do free friend i just think it's it's lovely it's, it's just quite nice as well to kind of learn to work with whatever sort of space that you get i had an interesting venue uh the year before last um which was the room was very long like it was just very long and the way that it was arranged there was no clear sort of front row like there was this long 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 couch in there that was completely made out of jeans people would sometimes sit on that and people would sometimes sit on the little stools that were kind of meant to face where where the front of the room was meant to be the microphone didn't work amazingly in this venue and so I had a, quite a lot of fun just abandoning the microphone and basically moving my performance space to what wherever worked best for the audience who were there and so I think that that's sort of the joy of doing Free Fringe as well. Like it's such an amazing thing that, they, that they've that they set up and that they've created to kind of, you know, make it so as many people as possible are able to do shows. But I think it is quite fun to write something and then get there and go, okay, I had an, an idea in my head of how this would be staged, but now I need to figure it out based on this space. Do you think that makes you a better performer? I like to think so. It feels like some sort of skill that I've unlocked by doing that. Accommodation in Edinburgh, just because it's been in the news this week, when this goes out, it won't be in the news probably, but they're making... Um... A festival village in Musselburgh at Queen Margaret University. wondered if you had any thoughts about your accommodation in Edinburgh, any top tips? I'm not amazing at paying attention to the news, and so I somehow have missed that. But that's actually really interesting because I have yet to... um, find accommodation but a friend of mine actually had directed me toward Queen Margaret University which is in Musselburgh and so I was that it was one of my plans for the next couple of days to apply to get into that accommodation and I was my only concern was that it felt like it might be a bit far out but you know if that's going to be the hub for performers then it doesn't feel like I I'll have the same sort of sense of FOMO about not being central. It sounds like they've done it in in conjunction so the university and the fringe office have worked together and there'll be about a thousand places for about a thousand people and they'll have um, rehearsal oh, spaces wow. in Musselburgh as well like the university buildings and I think they'll have a bit of a fringe office set up there as well to make it so that people do feel like they're still part of the community whilst being by the sea. So it'd be interesting to see how that works. Oh, that's, that sounds wonderful, actually. That's that's really cool. I'm going to look more into that. So, yeah, I'm surprised I've missed that. Have you got any top tips for people who are wanting to perform at Aces and Eights? Would you like them to come and see the venue before 
they book in. I understand that not everyone has the sort of time or the sort of schedule that will, will allow to do that. But I just think basically just, yeah, do your research into it, like look, look into what it's like, but also, you know, if you want to want to perform there, it's always nice to get a little note from from a performer kind of saying a little bit about themselves, because, of course, I'm going to read about your show regardless as I read the application. But, you know, it's just that personal touch is always helpful. You know? Yes. Just chat with me and I and I think I'll be quite open to that. You want to know that it's somebody that's going to be easy for you to work with. Yeah, I just love a human connection. So. <laughs> Yeah, and just, just, yeah, make sure that it seems like the right sort of space for, for whatever you want to do. But it is it is a great space. The tech stuff, you know, there there is the capacity for sort of fancier tech, but the basic tech stuff is fairly limited, but as much as most people are going to need. Yeah, like you say, it's a nice, it's a nice cozy space and it can feel really intimate and yeah, good fun. And it's, yeah, yeah it's lovely. It's, and it, there's nice pizzas upstairs as well. So what was the second point? Yeah, oh my, the pizza's amazing. And it's close to the tube as well, so it's easy to get to, isn't it? Yeah, just it, right right across from the tube. And so, yeah, Tufnell Park is an interesting sort of area because it is, it's zone two, and so it's like, you know, quite central in London, but I think it's a name that unless you've been here, there's no reason to know. I was going to say two tube stops down from Camden, but Kentish Town is closed at the moment, <laughs> so one tube stop away from Camden. Oh yeah, is Kentish Town still going to be closed this summer? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's going to be. It'll. I think it's meant to be reopened before before Camden Fringe. So yeah, that's it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, Kentish Town's like about an eight ten minute walk away from from Tufnell Park, and so the only time I ever think about the fact that tube station is closed is when I'm on the tube and I go, oh yeah, that's not it's not going to stop here. You know, it's sort of yeah. yeah. So many buses though, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 so well connected. It is when I first moved to this area, I couldn't believe it. I think it's only about fifteen minutes on the tube to get to central London, to get to Oxford Circus, you know, it's a, it's so it's sort of so close to so many things and and it feels so villagey and nice and especially, you know, kind of knowing so many people who live around here because of the combination of living here and working locally and everything. It's yeah, it's just I've had to move a number of times since I've lived in London, as is the case with all of us who live in London. But every time I've moved, I've just made po- a point to stay in Tuffmill Park because there's really nothing I think that can make me ever want to leave it. Oh, that's nice. Oh. And I love that you live so close to the venue. That's really brilliant. I know, yeah. When I, when I first moved into this particular flat, I, I really relished the fact that I was, particularly because I ran a comedy night at that point and, you know, we would often end up having a drink after the bar had closed uh, at someone's house. And I was like, well, if people come over to my place, like I, I had this whole idea in my brain where I'm like, I'm going to make out like it's really far away, but people are welcome if they're willing to make the journey and then just walk that less than a minute. <laughs> and go, Here we are. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it always does feel quite convenient when I have been there for drinks to just, to just leave and go, okay, well, I'm almost home. You know? <laughs> That was really interesting. Thanks very much to Leslie for speaking to us, uh, especially when she'd really only just taken on the role. So do get your applications into her. Yeah, my favourite thing she said was that write a little personal note. A bit like writing a covering letter for a CV. Don't just send your CV in. Yeah, but a short one. But introduce yourself. Don't write an essay because no one will read it. If this is your first time listening to the Camden Ringe podcast. Then listen to all the old ones. Yeah, we've got a good back catalogue, some really useful advice. I think our marketing ones and our press ones have been the most popular. But there's also loads of really good creative stuff in there as well, which is worth catching up on. 
And if there's any specific topics that you would like us to cover or you would like us to get a, a specialist in, uh, do send us your suggestions. Yes, please do. Yeah, any ideas um, are greatly appreciated. Anything you need to know, we would like to help you. All right, thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye.